A group of sorority girls are killed off one by one over their Christmas break. The killer? A crazed maniac known only as Billy. The reason? God only knows. What could have easily been a soulless slasher flick lost in film history has resonated with horror fans for 45 years and endured two terrible remakes that failed to capture the cynicism and random violence of the original horror classic. It would inspire countless cult films like Halloween and When a Stranger Calls, and it's the film that horror fans around the world watch around the holidays. This is 1974's Black Christmas. I'm Connor Zagari. And I'm Austin Johnson. And Merry Christmas from Filmgasm. It's Christmas, Filmgasm fans. Hope your holiday has been filled with mirth and merriment. Obviously, you were in need of some good old-fashioned holiday horror, so you tuned into Filmgasm to hear us talk about Black Christmas, the original Christmas monster movie. In two weeks, we're tearing into the Schumacher Batman films on Weird Shit Wednesday, our 45th episode, not counting bonuses. Here, Austin and I shred the two worst Batman movies and try to unravel how these travesties ever came about in the first place. Plus, we both secretly love Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, so expect a lot of mixed emotions. That is going to be very fun. Oh, I can't wait, man. So much, so much just juice in those movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So much meat on both those stories. It's going to be insane. It's going to take a while to unfold. Yes. Just the, yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait. Ugh. But first, the rewind, where we look back at past episodes in search of updates. I've only got one update, and it's on bonus episode 19, Dr. Sleep. Director Mike Flanagan has announced that the Blu-ray and DVD release of Dr. Sleep will include a three-hour director's cut. The movie comes out on digital January 21st, and on Blu-ray, 4K, and DVD on February 4th. It'll certainly be in my collection, because it was a great movie, and it deserves to be there. Indeed. Yeah. Three-hour director's cut. wonder what'll be in there, because this was a bit of a haul. <laughs> I'm wondering I'm sure it'll More be worth it. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be worth it but I was looking at the at the uh, box office numbers just out of curiosity and it only made 71 million oh boy that is oh god absurd what happened <laughs> we could do a whole series on Dr. Sleep and never unravel the mystery of how this movie spectacularly bombed Oh. Well, that is the rewind. One update a week is pretty much what we get. We've done a lot of episodes, but not everything, you know, updates. <laughs> Some of this shit's lost in time. It's set in stone. Yeah. I try to get, you know, at least one a week, something. It's not all, It's not easy. <laughs> well, it is easy when Roman Polanski is behind you yeah. in your catalog. When Roman so. Polanski's raping somebody, we get a good three, four updates a week. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's not cool, but, you know, it's good for us. <laughs> it's updates. When Tarantino's got a new movie running, when Roman Polanski's got some ac- accusations behind him. Yeah. It's, it's a good week yeah. for us. <laughs> so, was this your first time watching Black Christmas? Indeed it was. And I was, um, how do I say this, surprised, um, shocked at uh, just how dark this was. Yeah. Very 70s. Oh, yeah. Very 19, really early 70s, very 74. Very post-haze code, and let's do some crazy shit. Oh, yes. And at times, maybe too showy for some people, but... Really? 
Not for me. Not for me. Not for me. I, I just, I, I think there's some people who watch this and think that it, that it is almost going too far. I don't know. I don't care because it's a movie and I think it falls in line with like the tone of the rest of the film. Yeah. Uh, it's very dark. I think this film is incredibly tame, personally. Really? Yeah. Tame. I think it's very tame. I don't, I don't think I could ever excuse my language, but... Well, not with, like, the dialogue, but I'm talking about... I don't think like, I've ever heard of a movie called Tame that had the word cunt in it. Yeah. It's pretty rough. I, I think this movie's pretty rough as far as... The, as far as the dialogue... The tone... And the tone, yes. The tone, the, it, which is which is big, which but, is what... Well, yeah. A lot of the time what you walk away with, and, you know... That's true, but I mean, like, in terms of like what they show on screen. Like, the gore level... Yeah, no, it's not. Pretty yeah. tame for this. But that's also not... Yeah, I guess... I guess I should explain, but I mean, uh, is, for, yeah. for anyone who listens, you know, the, the the gore is not really what necessarily unsettles me or gets me off my seat. Yeah, it it is the the like authentic, like oh, like this sounds like an actual fucking predator, you know? Yeah, that's yeah, that's very scary. That's pretty. Dumb. Now there's there there's the other there's a movie that parallels this to me a lot, which I think we'll talk about that comes four years later called Halloween. <laughs> oh yeah, Michael Myers doesn't talk. No. And less is more, and we have no idea what his incentive is, really, you know? This 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 movie, <laughs> it goes the other way, where it's like, uh, oh no, it's like, you piggy little, you know, it's like very, very much giving that character development of like, here, here's, you should hate this guy. Michael Myers, there's times where you're not, you're not rooting for him. But you know what I mean? You're kind of like, when he grabs the knife and the music starts, you're not like, oh no! You know what I'm saying? You get excited. Yeah, there's that sensation. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that's what I'm trying to explain. It, it, you know, I think it's that element of sexual predator. It's That's that, what does it. If, if, yeah, and now I have a daughter too, so maybe yeah. that, yeah. Billy's a sex creep, <laughs> Michael's a, a maniac. Yeah, and, yeah, I guess, okay, yeah, I agree with you. As tame as far as, yeah, like gore and uh, textbook horror. Because to put that in perspective, yeah. two years prior to this, Wes Craven released The Last House on the Left. <laughs> yes. Which set the bar yes. for gory shit in for movies. For sure, for sure. So, you know, I and then the same year, also, 74, was The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, Hold on. <laughs> Do you just want to point it out? God damn it! Yeah, because you can hear it. Yeah, garage door. I know. I know that we're not the only people to notice that. Yeah, every every night, every night we record, no matter what day we record, there is a the motherfucker who lives next to me is opening and closing his garage door three or four times a night. He drives a Dodge Challenger. You know, it's got like racing stripes on the top. <laughs> it's taken forty five episodes to build up of this shit. Yeah. To finally come out. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes, sometimes you or I will be talk like in yeah. the middle of a spiel, and it's just not good timing. Ugh. But here is kind of like there's kind of a pause, <laughs> a kind of a pause, and Connor and I looked at each other like, "Oh, what the fuck?" Here's this guy again. So it happens occasionally. Yeah. Now you know if you ever hear that, just kind of that's yeah. that's the garage door. I'm not good at manipulating audio software, and I have a dick neighbor. So there we go. <laughs> Uh, anyways, <laughs> where were we? Um, yeah, I, I guess uh, to wrap up my thoughts about about how seventies this movie this movie is, I think it, it lasts, and I think it's gonna be something I'll rewatch because of the tone, because of how dark it was. It kind of had that Clockwork Orange, like, oh, I probably shouldn't be watching this. This is weird. 
Yeah. And that's that's, that's kind of fun to go to sometimes. Well, a um, big part of that is... It's not is, for everybody. It's not for everybody. You see a lot of this movie through Billy's eyes. Yeah, yeah. You're the voyeur. For sure. Oh, man. We'll get to that. Brilliant. Brilliant shots. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very eye This movie reinvents voyeurism. It's pretty yeah, creepy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's awesome. Uh, this cast... What were they to you, like, going in, these people in this movie? I knew most of them. Yeah? Yeah. And what were they, like, before and everything? Like, who were they all? Olivia Hussey. Uh, I knew yes. her from Romeo and Juliet. Correct. Uh, of course, Margot Kidder was Lois Lane. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's... Um, Superman. <laughs> John Saxon, I fucking love. Char- you know, character actor. We'll talk a bit about him later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, overall, like, great cast. It's, it's a good ensemble, ensemble it's right? Ensemble. It's kind of like when you... When, as you get through the movie, you're like... Hum. Wow, every performance is pretty, pretty, pretty the good. The script is pretty solid. Like you get to know these people and you, mm-hmm. you like them. Yeah, they're it's not a quali- bad people. It's a quality they're not, movie. They're not idiots. They're not sluts. They're just college girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of, I like. I wouldn't be opposed to just like hanging out in this setting. It's just like kind of fun. Like I don't know. I. I was I was surprised by this because yeah, again I have not seen. Have you seen it before? I've seen it once. I watched once. it once That's about right. three yeah. years ago. Okay, so not not terribly long. And weirdly, though, yeah. I didn't like it. Ah. I, Interesting. I, I think I might have been like not paying as much attention as I was this time, mm-hmm. but I did give it a seven before, okay. and that's changed this, yeah. this time. Yeah, which is I, weird because that does not happen to me very often. I rarely revisit a movie like this, and it completely changes my mind and like raise the bar very yeah, much. completely. Yeah. So yeah. this is an interesting occasion yeah. for me. I like that. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, well, yeah. Again, my, it was my first time. I'm, I'm definitely glad I, I've seen it. Yeah, it's one of those horror icon like cult classics that. Every horror fan should see. Yeah, and thank you for letting me use your uh, shutter. Of course. Uh, yeah. Use your login so I could watch this movie. Yeah, definitely people should just check it out. Um, we'll get into it here, you know. And it is available on Shutter. Yes, indeed. And it's, uh, it is uh, available on Prime to rent for only two ninety nine. so if you don't have Shutter, If you have a Vudu account, it is free with ads. That, there you go. There you go. That's right. So there's ways to watch it. Indeed. At the most, you're spending three bucks. It's not that bad. <laughs> Black Christmas was released on October 11th, 1974, the exact same day as the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That was a day... Unbelievable. Like, a, the perfect horror day. October 11th. October... What? Wait a minute. Why the fuck was Black Christmas released in October? <laughs> I'm just realizing this. I don't know. God damn it. They've been doing this shit forever. Yeah. Always will. <laughs> it was directed by Bob Clark, who would later direct... Check out this amazing track record. Porky's. Yeah. Porky's 2, Rhinestone, Baby Geniuses, and most excitingly, the holiday classic A Christmas Story. All right. Despite his spotty track record, Bob Clark is the guy who gave us both Black Christmas and A Christmas Story. Yeah. That's insane. He loves the holidays. <laughs> Apparently. Or hates them. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're both kind of cynical looks yeah. at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, never mind. Can't stand them, actually. Yeah. He tragically died in 2007 at age 67 in a car accident. He and his son were hit by a drunk driver. They were both killed instantly. Fucked up. The film was written by Roy Moore, not to be confused with that piece of shit from Alabama who ran for senator two years ago. Our Roy Moore only wrote one other movie, 1981's The Last Chase, a terribly received futuristic dystopia movie involving public transportation and a gas crisis. It starred Lee Majors and Burgess Meredith. He wrote Black Christmas after being inspired by a series of strangulations that occurred during the holidays in Montreal between 1968 and 1971. Did I mention the entire production is Canadian? 
not, like there's no really story behind that. I just, just it's Canadian. I just like that. <laughs> and the Tall Grass was technically Canadian. So <laughs> how about that second Canadian film for us? Oh, and uh, I think the Lighthouse is actually technically a Canadian. Oh, I know Eggers is from there. So yeah. right on. Third Canadian. <laughs> that's right. Sorry, that's dumb. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> What are we doing? Who <laughs> fucking knows? Bob Clark and several producers rewrote Moore's script, originally titled Stop Me. They added the university setting, changed the dialogue a bit, and added some humorous elements to it. Warner Brothers changed the film's title to Silent Night, Evil Night for release in the States, fearing that people might think Black Christmas was a exploitation flick. Okay, yes, and still, to this day, I saw videos of people who saw the new film that apparently is terrible, who thought, yeah, it was going to be like a black family. No, no. Doing my research for this, putting this script together, every time, no matter what side I was on, when I typed in Black Christmas, it would be the three versions of Black Christmas and then Medea's Christmas. <laughs> That was always in the search whenever I typed in Black Christmas. <laughs> I don't know if it would be upset about that or just, I don't know, man. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Gotta love it. Warner Brothers did change it back to Black Christmas after the initial release, and that's what the film is known as everywhere. Which is good, because there is a really shitty Christmas horror film called Silent Night, Deadly Night that would have been confused with this all the time if Warner Brothers had had their way. Olivia Hussey was cast as Jess, our sort of heroine. She had recently become internationally famous for her role in the 1968 adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. And she signed on to Black Christmas after being told by a psychic that she would, quote, make a film in Canada that would earn a great deal of money. All right. So definitely taking career decisions for the right reasons here. Had to. (laughs) It's a giant-ass coincidence that this worked out for her, but that is... Ridiculous. Absurd. Oh my god. Apparently yeah, she was obsessed with her psychic. Her psychic also told her she was going to fall in love with Paul McCartney. Like, this person was too accurate. But you can't be accurate when you're giving people psychic predictions. you got to be vague, or else people are going to disprove that shit pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, god. my gosh. Uh, Keir DeLay was cast as Peter, Jess's overbearing, possibly psychotic boyfriend. Delay was sought after due to his performance as Dave Bowman in Stanley Kubrick's sci-fi classic 2001 A Space Odyssey, of which Bob Clark was a big fan. And I'm not, at all. I do not like 2001 A Space Odyssey. We'll get there one day. Yes, absolutely. But I just... It's two and a half hours of nothing. There's like the brief bit with Hal that's fascinating, but I just can't get into it. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I don't have like an argument, but we'll get there. We'll yeah, we'll get there. Uh, you know, I'm one of the few people who think Kubrick was kind of hit or miss. <laughs> and well, yeah, I think he was. I just like the misses because <laughs> I, I I can agree with I can I think I can agree with that that I, I think there's more hits than misses. My God, Challenger guy. Jesus Christ, maybe he heard us. The garage door guy, yeah. That's three times in less than a minute. He might have heard us. This might be bad. What have we done? We'll see. Ah, we started a war. Black Christmas. Yikes. Uh, We've started a war. Yeah. We'll get to Kubrick down the road. He's yeah, in, he's yeah, inevitable. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun, too. Oh, yes. 
Margot Kidder was cast as Barb, the wild and crazy one. This was four years before Kidder would rise to superstardom when she was cast as Lois Lane in 1978's Superman. She would reprise the role in Superman 2, Superman 3, and Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Kidder committed suicide in 2018 at age 69 by overdosing on drugs and alcohol. She had mental illness problems her whole life. She was bipolar, and uh, she just she had a lot of issues. So it, was really, it wasn't a surprise to her family when that happened. I remember she popped up in two episodes of Smallville. Oh, wow. And I thought that was kind of neat. A lot of Superman people of the past popped up in Smallville. Just, yeah. Dean Kane, Even Christopher Reeve. Gotcha. Yeah. He's the guy who tells Clark Kent gotcha. that he's a Kryptonian. It's, it's uh, perfect. The perfect guy awesome. to do that. Oh, I like Smallville. Cult film icon John Saxon appears as Lieutenant Fuller, the best cop in Canada. Saxon is perhaps most famous in the horror community for his role as Lieutenant Thompson in 1984's A Nightmare on Elm Street and later as himself in 1994's Wes Craven's New Nightmare. He also appeared as American martial artist Roper in 1973's Enter the Dragon. And he's still working today. Have you ever seen Enter the Dragon? Of course. God damn, it's like one of the best movies. Of course. Oh, fuck. Yeah. It's one of the first DVDs I got. It's one of the coolest movies ever made. Mm-hmm. Jesus. <laughs> Definitely hurt us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Now this guy's fucking honking his horn and shit. God damn it. Marion Waldman was cast as Mrs. Mack in a role that was originally offered to Betty Davis, who turned it down. Waldman only appeared in four other films before her death in 1985 at age 60 of breast cancer. And every time I heard Mrs. Mack, I just thought of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. Mack's chain-smoking mom. Andrea Martin plays Phil a role originally taken by comedian Gilda Radner, who had to back out. Oh! Yeah, Gilda Radner. Didn't she, know that. She had to back out due to filming commitments with Saturday Night Live. Oh, okay. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Probably a good career move. Not gonna, yeah, not gonna blame you for that one. <laughs> Martin would go on to appear in such films as My Big Fat Greek Wedding, Wag the Dog, Club Paradise, and she would do a ton of voice work for cartoons and video yes. games. She's also still working today. She was Mrs. Fowl in Jimmy Neutron. Yes, I was about to say. <laughs> my favorite. Ah! Time for show and tell! That was really good. (laughs) Fuck. Finally, Lynn Griffin plays Claire Harrison, the first girl to be murdered by Billy. Griffin would go on to appear in the acclaimed series Wind at My Back, which ran for five seasons, as well as a lot of one-off appearances in various TV shows. Black Christmas has an IMDb score of 7.2, Rotten Tomatoes score of 70%. It was a big success, grossing $4 million on a budget of only $620,000. What they did for so little. Christ. It's impressive. And let's go into the plot. Let's do this. Okay. Black Christmas. So, we open with a from uh, through the eyes of the killer Billy as he's climbing up into the attic of a sorority house where I don't think he leaves ever. He's in the house the entire movie. Which is so creepy. Extremely creepy. From the yeah. get-go, you're just like... It's going to make re-watching this, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And everyone in there is having a Christmas party, and one of the girls, Jess, answers an obscene phone call from a mentally, you know, not well man who <laughs> yeah. apparently calls a lot. And he just screams obscenities at them, does, the, you know, the heavy breathing. 
Obscenity's in like three different voices, which is pretty weird. I, yeah, I know. Which confused me at first. I thought maybe it was multiple people. And I was like, no, 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 it's not. No, it's just yeah, definitely a James McAvoy split situation. Yeah, Probably a Billy and Agnes or whatever the fuck's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jess gets all the other students in the room and they listen to the caller. And they just are like, you know, what the hell do we do? Like, this guy's never going to stop. And one of the girls, Barb, takes the phone and starts talking back to the caller. And the caller's not happy about this. He immediately turns off the creep and just says, I'm going to kill you. And then hangs up. Yeah. Chills. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's it, too real. It's like the Zodiac. Like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Like just, robotic. Oh. Just, okay. <laughs> Which me, I would be like, I believe you. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Barb argues with Claire, who implies that, like, you know, this guy could be a rapist. Like, why are you egging this dude on? And Barb's like, fuck you. He's not going to do anything. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> the Ben Affleck of the group, yeah. <laughs> Fucking Bob. Do you like apples? <laughs> I put this whole town in my rear view. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't even know why we went to Boston on that, but <laughs> this is fucking Toronto. <laughs> so Claire goes to her bedroom to finish packing for Christmas break, and she sees something in the closet, and she goes in there. She's she's just like, what? Who's, who's that? Who's in there? Like five or six times instead of, you know, not going into the closet. And Billy is in the closet, and he st- uh, suffocates over the plastic bag. And moves her body to the attic, and nobody ever finds her. No, yeah. And it was just, just a little too loud for them to hear anything, you know, so. But like the whole movie, Claire's oh, body's just in the fucking window. Yeah. And nobody ever finds her. The whole movie, they're trying to find Claire, and nobody nobody thought to check the attic. I mean, looking back, probably should have done that. Oh, yeah. Especially when all the cops are checking the place at the end. Yes, yeah. Nobody went to the attic. What are you guys, scared? Come on. The following morning, Claire's dad, Mr. Harrison, arrives at the school to pick up his daughter, but she doesn't show up. Huh. And uh, he asks some kid for directions to the sorority house. He shows up, and that's where we meet Mrs. Mack, who is surprised that Claire didn't show up. Claire's usually, you know, she's a good girl. One of my favorite running gags is all the alcohol Mrs. Mack has hidden in various places of the house. Unbelievable. Yeah. My girlfriend <laughs> said, she has a real problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was... I mean, in the toilet? That's, that's the part. That's when you knew. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's where I'm like, this, this lady has She's just problem. going to, like, wash her fucking hands, and she's like, I gotta have some whiskey. This lady needs a meeting. And this isn't... <laughs> I. She has, like, bottles of Hennessy, like... This isn't just any liquor, you know? I'm like, my God. Bottles. Yeah. Hidden. Like, yes. not one bottle. Handles of Hennessy. There is yeah. one in every room of that house. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. She's crazy. <laughs> Lost her goddamn mind. Oh, my God. Meanwhile, we meet uh, Peter, a neurotic music student, Jess's boyfriend. And this guy gives off bad vibes immediately. Like, the fact that he isn't the killer is a big surprise. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. She tells him that she's pregnant and she's planning to get an abortion and Peter gets very angry about this and tries to intimidate her into keeping the baby. Love, right there. Yeah. Love at first sight. Ah, beautiful. Meant to be. (laughs) Jesus. This guy. He reminded me so much of, uh, you ever see Van Wilder? (laughs) Yes. Of 
course I've yeah. seen the Van dickhead Hoff. med student. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was such a bad movie. Um, but it's 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 funny. It's know. it's pretty. It's it's absurd. Like absurd, and you know, Ryan Reynolds is, you know, oh, far too arrogant in it. But but it is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh so in town, Mr. Uh, Mr. Harrison, Barb, and Phil attempt to report Claire to the cops, and the cop Nash is such a prick. He's such oh, a terrible yeah. cop. Oh my gosh. And Barb gives the uh, the fellatio phone number, and which is a source of laughter for everybody else later on. <laughs> what a fucking idiot. Jess tells Claire's boyfriend, Chris, that, Claire, that Claire's disappeared, and Chris doesn't seem all that concerned about this. No, no. I don't think we even see him again. No, Chris doesn't give a shit. The original ending that Warner Brothers tried to have done is Chris shows up again at the end and is revealed to be the killer. But Bob Clark said no. Yeah, me too. <laughs> he was going to go into Jess's room and say, like, don't tell them what we did, Agnes, and then stab her to death. Glad that didn't happen. Oof. And they learned that another local girl, uh, Janice, has also vanished while walking home from school. And that, that's pretty sad. Mom's pleading to the cops, you know, you gotta help me find my girl. Yeah. And it's a horror movie. We all know what happened to Janice. And uh, after putting Barb to bed... Mr. Anyone <laughs> named Janice in any horror movie, I feel like. just There's certain names. Yeah. Janice, L- Lori... Honestly, Barb. Barb. <laughs> Ironically, uh, Jess, who survives, isn't a virgin. That's not usually how it yeah. works in horror films. True. In fact, she's, yeah, she's the only the one we know for sure has had sex because she's pregnant. Yeah. yeah. Just interesting. Mr. Harrison, Chris, Jess, and Phil go help search for Janice in a park and... Uh, they later find a body. Very sad. And uh, they're also trying to find Claire because there's still no fucking sign of what happened to her. So they're... It's really freaky, man. Mm-hmm. Just the idea that he mur- Billy murdered their friend and just propped her up. Yeah. In the window. That's really sticking with me. <laughs> I know, I know. With the, the bag man. still over her head, like the, in her mouth. Yes, the, the mouth. mouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> still kind of has stuck with me. Still. Shit. Oof. Like for the past twenty four hours, yeah, I've just like that's just kind of popped up in my head a few times. Just like the, it's hard to explain the back. You know, yeah, it's like the back stretching the face almost to where it's, and you can see the mouth, but you can't because the bag's over it. So you just see kind of like a black hole, and it's yeah, just fucks me up. It just looked like she suffered. Yeah, she suffered. Yeah, definitely. yeah, exactly. So Mrs. Max planned to leave. And no her. one gave a shit. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they look for her, but yeah, they didn't look very hard. The puppy lost his way. <laughs> Billy Madison. Okay, get your ass out there and find that fucking dog. <laughs> Mrs. Mack is leaving for her sister's home, and she is lured up in the attic by the sounds of her cat, Claude. And that's when she discovers Claire's body, and <laughs> Billy throws a goddamn hook at her and hangs her. But he hangs her, like, in the attic door. Like, yes. how did nobody find her? I don't know. The attic, I guess, just has this force field. Apparently. Ugh. And, like, you know, like I said, they find Janice's mangled body in the park. Jess goes home. The search continues for Claire. 
And Jess answers another fucking phone call and this time decides she's got to talk to the cops. But Peter shows up and surprises her and he... I I thought this scene was going to go a very different way. But he tries to convince her to marry him for the sake of their child, which Jess is already planning to abort. And she tries to tell Peter, like, look, you know, I don't want you to give up your dream. I don't want to give up my dreams. But he's not taking no for an answer. So she just has to sit straight up and say, look, I don't want to marry you. (laughs) It ain't happening, bud. Peter leaves, emotional, and that's when we meet Lieutenant Fuller, who arrives to bug bug the phone. Because he thinks that the disappearance of Claire, this little girl getting mangled, and the phone calls are all connected. Because he's a good goddamn cop. Best cop on Elm Street. A <laughs> uh, group of carolers arrive on the house to sing, to sing, and Jess is kind of just like, oh, a little cheer in my very fucking bleak existence. <laughs> but let's watch these kids for a while. Children. And that's- Cherish it. <laughs> Cherish it. <laughs> Stay here. Stay as long as you can. And that's when the killer enters Barb's room and stabs and unicorns her to death. <laughs> stabs her with a glass figurine of a unicorn. Like Unbelievable. What? Jesus Christ. And that's a freaky image when Barb wakes up to see him standing over her with like just the one eye in the yes. light. Jesus Christ. The cinematography on this movie is Ridiculous. pretty damn good. Ridiculous. It's creepy. Barb's cries for help are drowned out by the singing children. Jess didn't hear shit. One of the women in charge of the kids gets the kids out of there because she just learned there was a murder in the park, so they should probably not have a gang of kids out here. And Jess experiences another phone call, but this time the caller repeats part of the argument she had with Peter, and yes. she gets very freaked out, and so did I. <laughs> I mean, uh, one of my one of the one of the best tropes you can use, man, if someone recalls a conversation that they probably shouldn't have heard. Yeah. Who fucking heard that, man? I knew I, knew I was alone. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> that will never fail to just fucking screw with me, you know? Always. The whole, like, you know, the call is coming from inside the house, all that shit, that gets me immediately. Yes. Same. Same. Because it, you know, it brings you, the whole thing into into question, like, how long have they been here? Exactly. What have they heard? Question the whole, yeah, existence yeah. of the whole movie. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> and then you're looking at your own life, you're like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> In the age of cell phones? Like, dude, this could happen any time. Creepy. I'm going to kill you. What? What? Siri, what? (laughs) Stop it, man. My God. It's Uh, like a Black Mirror episode. (laughs) So, obviously the cop, uh, Lieutenant Fuller, thinks, all right, Peter's probably the one behind this. I should investigate this further. And, uh... Jess is not sure, you know, she doesn't think the guy she's been, you know, with is the guy trying to kill her, especially since he's so adamant about keeping this baby alive. Yes. And that's when Phyllis enters Barb's room and is ambushed by the killer who gets her off screen. Another one bites the dust. Jess gets another phone call. This time the killer starts screaming about Agnes and Billy, some kind of weird argument, and... I don't know what that is, but it's fucking unnerving. <laughs> they got some kind of perfect horror recipe with this movie. I don't know what it is, but it's un- it's so unsettling. <laughs> I agree, man. And that's when the call is long enough to be traced by the telephone company. And yes. 
Fuller realizes, oh shit, it's coming from inside the house. Mrs. Max line. And she t- he tells Sergeant Nash, like, look, you gotta tell Jess to get the fuck out of that house, but don't tell her why. <laughs> and Nash fucks that up. He tried, you know, he's like, look, don't, you know, don't ask questions, just pick up and go. And Jess is like, why? He's like, don't, don't, just trust me on this. Just get out of there. She's like, well, I gotta go get my friends. He's like, no, no. You know you don't. don't. Get out of there. She's like, why? Because he's in the house. Like, just fuck. The, the maniac is in the mailbox. <laughs> wee-oo, wee-oo. Ah, <laughs> uh, SpongeBob never change. <laughs> well, it did though. I know, but I'm. I, wish. I can dream. I know. <laughs> Season one and two, man. My one, two, God. and three. Three, yeah. Three, that was the yeah. sweet spot. Ugh. <laughs> so Jess goes upstairs to get Barb and Phil because she's a good friend, and she arms herself with a fire poker. Goes upstairs and she finds Barb and Phil dead, and she she sees an eye through a crack in the door. And it just says, like, it's me, Billy. Like, it's, oh, my God. Like, it's Jurassic Park. Yeah, you're like, oh, God damn. And he, she crushes him with the door, and you just hear him scream this guttural, freakish scream. Yeah. Like, you expect to see him, you know, run down the stairs, like... No, he... Ugh. And he does, eventually, he appears, pursues Jess through the house. You only ever see his hands. Yes, yeah. Which I think is a genius, genius yeah. idea. Makes it all seem really random, mm-hmm. like this could happen to anyone. Well, and just the fact that, like, someone's, like, trying to grab you, you know, to focus on the hands. Hands are like a separate entity on your body. You're like, oh. Makes him appear almost inhuman. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Jess locks herself in the cellar, only for Peter to show up, appear outside one of the windows, and he smashes the windows to get to her. And she freaks out and beats him to death with the poker. And, you know, assuming he's the killer. Yeah, yeah. The cops show up moments later. Hopefully so. Yeah. Alerted by Jess's screams, and they find her in the basement unconscious with Peter's dead body on top of her. (laughs) And they put her to bed, discuss the murders. Unaware that Claire and Mrs. Mack are in the attic, Jess is left in the house to rest with a cop standing outside. And the killer climbs down from the attic, and the the phone begins to ring as the camera pans out. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Jess is probably going to die, and Billy's going to get away with it. Yeah. Ugh, that's Black Christmas in a nutshell, and fuck, it's a great, underrated movie. It's so creepy. Extremely creepy. It's one of Steve Martin's favorite movies. Wow. Yeah. Where'd you read that? On the trivia, um, Olivia Hussey was auditioning for Roxanne, and she met with Steve Martin, and he fangirled and was like, oh my god, you were in one of my favorite movies, and she assumed it was Romeo and Juliet, and he's like, no, 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 Black Christmas, I watched that 27 times. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Glad to hear Steve Martin has good taste. The film was remade twice. The Yikes. first, 2006's Black Christmas, was written and directed by Glenn Morgan, who was an executive producer on The X-Files. And it starred a host of future famous actresses like Katie Cassidy, Michelle Trachtenberg, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Lacey Chabert, and returning cast member Andrea Martin as Mrs. Mack. The film sought to provide backstory and motivation for Billy, which I think was a bad move, and critics agreed. Had an IMDb score of 4.6, Rotten Tomatoes score of 15%. Same same, uh, mistake Rob Zombie made. The Boogeyman does not need a backstory. Exactly. 
It ruins the character. We don't, we don't need that. We don't need to know why this is happening. Especially that much. The fact know? that it is happening at all is fucking terrifying. Exactly. The second remake came out two weeks ago. 2019's Black Christmas sought to turn the slasher classic into an allegory for the Me Too movement and social justice. Another bad move. Just let us have our horror movies. If you want to create an allegorical horror movie, do something new. Don't just slap Black Christmas on it. The film stars um, Imogen Poots, Elise Shannon, Lily Donahue, Brittany O'Grady, and Carrie Elwes. It was a critical failure, with many critics panning it for its lack of originality and blatant social critiques with zero substance. No fucking shit. IMDb score 3.2, Rotten Tomatoes score 39%. And I don't plan on seeing either one of these. Hell no. Not worth my time. No. All I hear is shit remake, you know, that completely missed the point of the original movie. It's random violence is scarier than fucking anything. <sighs> why the f- why are we, why are we remaking something that just got remade 13 years ago and didn't do well? And we're going to make it again and not do it well again? What's the point of this? Because nobody consistently doesn't learn their lesson more than Hollywood. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. Just fucking shooting. Fucking suits. Yeah. Here's some film guys and facts, and I've got some interesting shit for you this time. There we go. Number one, NBC scheduled this film for its primetime network debut on January 28th, 1978, under the title Stranger in the House. I don't know why they keep fucking changing the title of this movie. <laughs> on January 15th, 1978, two female students at Florida State University were murdered by an assailant who broke into the sorority house where they lived. Whoa! Three other young women in the immediate vicinity were attacked and assaulted. NBC received numerous pleas from locals to pull the movie from broadcast in light of the crimes, and after first stating that they would offer the local affiliates an alternative movie to broadcast, they decided to just pull the plug on the movie altogether. Instead, the film Doc Savage, Man of Bronze was shown. NBC instead ran Stranger in the House as a late movie on May 14th the same year. The perpetrator of the crimes at Florida State University was later identified as serial killer Ted Bundy. <laughs> Holy fuck, dude. This happened. What? Bundy did this shit. Oh my god. That scared the hell out of me when I read that. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah, man. Talk about a film gasm fact. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, Jesus is right. <laughs> Number two. Legend has it this was Elvis Presley's favorite horror movie, and his nice. tradition was to watch it every Christmas. Further, his family would keep the tradition alive and watch it in his memory. If true, Elvis would have celebrated this tradition a maximum of only three times before his untimely death in August of 1977. Unbelievable. I, I like to believe that Elvis fucking loved this movie. Hell yeah. <laughs> Why not? Number three, the role of Peter was originally offered to Malcolm McDowell, but he turned it down, a decision McDowell regrets to this day when he saw the massive success of this film and its classic horror film status. Malcolm McDowell, I think, would have worked for Peter. Oh my gosh, yeah. 73 with McDowell? That Alex yeah. voice? You already yeah. had, saw parallels with Clockwork Orange. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Oof. This film holds the honor of being the first seasonal slasher film in horror movie history, and will later be followed by 1978's Halloween, 1980's Friday the 13th, 1980's Prom Night, 
1980's Mother's Day, 1981's Graduation Day, 1981's My Bloody Valentine, 1984's Silent Night, Deadly Night, and 1986's April Fool's Day. <laughs> yeah, this started the tradition of throwing a horror film My goodness. situation into a holiday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and number five. There were several attempts over the years to produce a sequel for the film. After the failure of the remake, Bob Clark began work on the sequel before he tragically passed in 2007. Olivia Hussey and John Saxon were set to reprise their roles of Jess and Lieutenant Fuller. Jess would have become the new house mother of the sorority in Clark's treatment for the film back in 07. And I, I would like to see that. Me too. Indeed. I always like when the original director comes back, original cast members come back, yes. and people actually put some work into it. Mm-hmm. So people who like had, had stake in it at one point. Yeah. 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 Treated some respect, yeah. And I give this film a solid eight. It's eerie as fuck and easily the best holiday horror movie ever made. I, agreed, yeah. Solid eight for me as well. Uh, it is, yeah, it's going to be one of those things that I think about. This is weird when I think about Christmas because there are so few good Christmas movies and so few actual Christmas movies that I like would actually watch. It's going to be one of the first ones I think about. It's definitely going to be my rotation now. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I'm, I'm really glad this is a... Uh, uh, <laughs> One of our episodes, and, uh, you know, obviously released on Christmas Eve, so... Actually, this will be released on Christmas Day. Oh, yeah, that's right, on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So it's cool. it's uh, We're yeah. recording. It's Monday night. We're recording this on December 23rd. Yeah. Otherwise known as Festivus. Yeah. Festivus <laughs> for the rest of us. Yeah. We're going to be uh, doing the Feats of Strength after we are finished recording <coughs> here. Jesus. <laughs> God, I love that episode. It's the human fun. <laughs> um, so, the we, we felt it'd be fun to do the bonus... Uh, you know, this movie is Black Christmas. Let's do the antithesis. Why not? White Christmas will be the bonus from 1954. Bing Crosby, Danny Kay. Yep. Classic Christmas movie. Quote unquote classic. Yeah, yeah we uh, both have problems with it. But we'll we'll get definitely. To that. Yeah, we're gonna be talking about that one on Friday. Yes. Yeah. So. So it'll be after Christmas, but we think it fucking counts. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, everyone's in that that spirit or whatever yeah. for the for the whole that post Christmas pre New Year's limbo. Well, and people still have like you know like family get-togethers and shit afterward. If the, the tree's new, still up, it's still Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm looking forward to most is uh, next week's, which will be. We'll get to that first. Okay. We got to go this week and film. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> we got. I, it's just exciting because that's that's gonna fall on New Year's. I think. Yeah. Exactly. That'll so be the first film guys in 2020. Yeah, which should be really fun. Yeah. Very so, excited. So yeah, uh, White, White Christmas is our bonus coming up the, later in this week, so oh, yeah. be on the lookout for that one. And we'll also have a Sunday bonus for you on The Irishman. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good yeah. stuff coming out this week. Mm-hmm. So let's see what happened this week in film. The trailer for Christopher Nolan's new sci-fi action thriller Tenet debuted. The film stars John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, Elizabeth Debicki, Michael Caine, Clements Posey, Aaron Taylor Johnson, oh. Kenneth Branagh, and oh. Hamish Patel. Oh. Set for release July 17th, 2020, and it looks fucking intriguing. Oh, yes. It's, I mean, just the cast. Oh, yeah. Just the cast alone. The cast and then Christopher Nolan, like, of course. Come on. It's got something to do with time travel. Like, this is going to be insane. Well, it has to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> Nolan? Yeah. Time travel? Come on. He's dealt with time travel before, of course, with Interstellar. And uh, I mean, memento, the whole kind of yeah, mental time travel. Yeah, he, he does a lot of. Yeah, it's not time travel. Yeah. time. Yeah, Inception. So, yeah. Oh yeah. He likes to fuck with time. I hope this makes sense. I don't want another Inception. E- even those, even those Batman movies are a lot about like endurance and time and what you put in and what people 
think of you after you do certain things. Even Dunkirk had heavy elements of time. Sure. It's weird. I'd say Nolan is one of the best at capturing the element of like getting lost in cinema, like getting lost in a screen. He creates experiences. Yeah, for sure. With 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 such different ideas and different things, and then with fucking comic book characters. He's the most unique dude working in Hollywood today. Like his movies. Don't that could look be like Arnie anything. for sure. Yeah, that could definitely be. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. I yeah, he's awesome. Next up, Bond girl Claudine Auger has died at age seventy-eight. Auger appeared in 1965's Thunderball as Domino Durval, Bond's first French love interest, alongside Sean Connery. No cause of death has yet been announced. Sad that we lost another Bond girl. Domino yeah. was good. She was one of the first Bond girls to like. Do something. Yes. Yeah. She killed the bad guy. Yeah, cool. dude. Yeah. Largo. Badass. Yeah. Thunderball fucking rocks. <laughs> well, what a great name. Thunderball. Roadhouse. Yeah. Thunderball. Tom Jones theme song makes no fucking sense though. I love when the 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 guy singing the theme song tries to make the name of the movie work as a song, and when you get a title like Thunderball, yeah. you can't fucking do anything with that. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's nice when it's uh, fucking Paul McCartney, you know, doing Live and Let Die. It's like, well, this just makes sense already, so. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't oh, always work that way. <laughs> it's, yeah. So funny. You, you don't always get Adele. Uh, <laughs> like Moonraker. Like, what? It's a great, yeah. Uh, next up, Shea Wiggum has joined the Mission Impossible franchise in an undisclosed role. Wiggum is a talented character actor. Gotta be a villain. Maybe. I'm thinking he might be the new director. The new Alec Baldwin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's true. Because he joined seven and eight. I think he'd be a I think he'd be good. A good villain in that. He would be good. He hasn't gotten a good meaty role yet. Mm-mm. He's always... Yeah. Mm, he, I always like him, though. He is, always yeah. like him. He's a character actor known for his role as Eli Thompson on HBO's Boardwalk Empire. So good. As well as his appearances in Silver Linings Playbook, mm-hmm. American Hustle, Kong, Skull Island, and HBO's Vice Principals, among others. Yeah, he's in all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. Pops up all the time. Next up, and this just made me laugh, Universal has announced they are sending an updated version of Cats to theaters, saying that they've improved the visual effects, which are reportedly scaring and unnerving audiences and critics across the world. Cats currently holds a 2.6 IMDb score and a 17% Rotten Tomatoes score. It's barely grossed 11 million on a budget of 95 million. It's easily the biggest bomb of the year. And Good. I can't believe that they're already re-releasing a better version less than five days after its release. That is unbelievable. What a piece of trash. Jesus. Yeah. This apparently, have you read there, some of the reviews on this thing? It's like, like everyone is like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> I listened to, there's a podcast, uh, The Big Picture, um, Sean Fennessy and Amanda Dobbins, their, the title of their podcast after their release, because they both went and saw it, was Cats, dot, 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 seriously, what the fuck? <laughs> That about sums it up, man. And yeah. they were like, well, we do this for a living. So we're like, fuck it, let's go see it. And they're like, oh my God, it's trash. You know? Jesus Christ. You know, so, yeah, I, oh, I, was not I don't know that. if you could pay me to go see Cats. How much? Let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk price. Yeah. What would you, okay, all right, let's set the, let's set the stage real quick. So if I'm, you're by yourself, just, just you, going to see Cats at Alma Draft House, just up the road. I'm going to pay for your meal. Let me get you a couple so you know soda or whatever you whatever you want to drink milkshake, you know pay for your ticket. Uh, would you go then or no? So I'm just paying for your food. 
Uh, so you're getting a free meal. That's it. I and am. You're seeing a shit. Yeah, film. but I gotta sit through cats to get that meal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't know if it's it? worth it. Or do I need to throw an extra twenty on top? Fuck. You might have to bribe me too. Yeah. So would that do it? Would that do it though? Maybe. Like so. So free meal. Twenty bucks. Free meal. Twenty bucks. All right. I think I'd do that. I'd do it. Maybe. 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 Okay. How about this? I'd do this. Pay for me to go, like, do the free meal, and then pay for me to go see another movie so I can, like, you know, put it out of my mind. Free meal, 20 bucks, another movie, and I want Idris Elba to sit next to me and explain why the fuck he did this movie. Yes. <laughs> That's what I need. Don't sit there. <laughs> I want an apology for Mr. I don't like Marvel because yeah. I-, I wanted to play Nelson Mandela. Yeah. And I want a reason why he did fucking Cats. <laughs> then I'll go see Cats. <laughs> oh, man. I will wait for the DVD. There, this has been an awesome, awesome year, but equally, there's been some just just rubbish. An awesome year capped off with fucking Cats. Cats. <laughs> That's our finale of 2019. Yeah. I also... I also have an issue with something that I've been hearing. Um, yeah, Little Women has not come out yet. Okay, I know you're not. You're you didn't read the book, right? No. And you're not. You know, you're not a big Greta Gerwig fan, or you know, you're not. Like, I wouldn't say that. I just didn't like Lady Bird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Her like her uh, her like self acclaimed masterpiece. <laughs> I know, Sorry. I, I hear you. I hear you, man. It's it, it it does have a lot of the same devices as most coming of age movies, but I do like it. But um. Where, 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 where was I? <laughs> Issues with Little Women. Okay, yeah. I'm hearing people just say, like, what the fuck is this? Or, uh, obviously, it's a lot of, like, male banter on the internet and people saying, like, it's propaganda or, like, why is this being on this, put on the screen? It's like, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. <laughs> it's being put on the screen because it's a, a brilliant piece of literature. Uh, Greta Gerwig wants to do it, and she is a good filmmaker and a good writer. Uh, it's got an extremely good cast. That's why it's being put out. That's why it was made. I'll give you that. It's really frustrating, you know? Um, of course, you have the respect of you like films, so you're not going to dog a film for coming out for no fucking reason. It gets it just gets frustrating that there's... Before, the film, before it even comes out, before people even see it, that they give it these titles of whatever this and that, and then, and then you have a movie like Cats. It's like, we're, we're, you know, come on, let's... I typically don't, you know, put down movies I haven't seen unless it's fucking Cats. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, where the, that's where the line... Yeah. The line is cute anthropomorphic cats. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, there's been, there's been, I just want to point out, I, I've, like, seen stuff, people, I've heard stuff, like, personally about Little Women that I'm just like, come on, man. Really? It's, you know, it's... Can we, re- can we really have a... a uh, a movie with a cast that's filled with women, direct you know, directed by a woman. Can we have? Can that happen? It's toxic masculinity trolls. It, that's all it is. That yeah, shit. that's all it is. And yeah. it's frustrating. And here, there's no fucking room for it. Obviously, between yeah. you and I, there's no, there's no room for this. I'm not that, seeing that Little Women because I just don't want to see it. I don't have a reason behind it. I just, yeah. I have my, other my things. My mom and I really want to go see it. You know, yeah. I, I've read the book. I thought it was a really good mm-hmm. book, and I think Greta Gerwig's going to have an interesting take on it. That's fine. And I love all those performers, so... I hope you not? have a good time. Yeah, why not, you know? Yeah. Like, why wouldn't I go see... <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's an interesting time, though. We got we got some fun movies coming out, even though there's... 
There's even there's that movie. What was it called? Six something. Michael Bay's movie. I don't know. It was so bad. So fucking bad. It came on Netflix. But we do have some stuff. Uncut Gems. I'm gonna be seeing tomorrow. Can't fucking wait. Uh, we got. We're going to try to see Richard Jewell on the weekend. We're going to try, yeah. Uh, 1917, unfortunately, does not come out until January 9th here in San Antonio. Ah! So we're, we're going to have to wait on that one. But we're still going to be able to fit in Uncut Gems and Richard Jewell, and that's great. Yes. Um, so those will probably be the last two we see of the year. Ooh. I'll see Little Women, but I might I might not see that until January. So Yeah, we will see how the rest of the year pans out for us. God damn, man. It's <laughs> unbelievable how it's already wrapped up almost. <laughs> It's, it's fucking Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> That's crazy. This will be our last weekly of 2019. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the... yeah, yeah. Our, uh, Next week's will start on uh, Wednesday the 1st. Exactly. Wow. Amazing. Crazy. And uh, finally, speaking of bombs with cats, <laughs> Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker has reportedly bombed in China. Really? Earning only $12 million over the weekend. As opposed to the $175 million it grossed in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. It's just the latest in a sharp decline of Star Wars interest in China over the years. Interesting. With last year's Solo, a Star Wars story, only grossing $16.4 million on its opening weekend. China doesn't give a fuck anymore about Star Wars. And, hey, man. Yeah. Frankly, I, I don't know if I do either. I guess I'm Chinese. I'm getting there, man. I've, I, had ser- I had problems with this most recent one. I liked it, but I don't know if I'm going to... Like it's the weakest trilogy. It's really bad. Me- meaning, like of the three this, trilogy, yeah, yeah, of the yeah, original yeah, yeah, trilogy, yeah. the prequel trilogy, and the new trilogy. Wow, this is the weakest trilogy. Wow. Yeah. There's. It's very clear there was no plan. It's just like, hey man, people love this shit. There was a plan. Ryan Johnson ripped that plan from the root. JJ had to fix it, and he used half the fucking movie to do it. And. <sighs> It's it's bad. It's it's a bad play. But well, for a Star Wars fan, it is an enjoyable movie. You just have to shut your brain off. <laughs> and it's it's tough for me to that do that. That sucks. Yeah. That really fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. I won't spoil it, but you I mean you should see it for yourself if you're gonna see it. Well Yeah. Thank God for the MCU, right? Jesus Christ. At least someone's oh, doing something right. At least Endgame. I had I got Endgame. At least you got Marvel, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks, Disney, for yeah. caring. I was too, you know, that, I couldn't yeah. be greedy. I couldn't have both. I couldn't have a great ending to the Marvel stuff and a great ending to Star Wars. I'm glad that I got what I I got. Yeah. Well, I probably, I don't know when I'll see Star Wars. I will eventually, but, you know, I, I don't go into those with high expectations. Frankly, like, you, you, you don't need to, you could wait till the DVD. Well, that's what I'm, yeah. Well, yeah. Which I never Well, Disney Plus, whenever it comes out on there. I never thought I'd say that for a Star Wars movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's a bummer. Yeah. I'm, I'm well, and you you also know that there's like other things I want to go check yeah. out because like you know, um, 1917 won't be coming out until January 9th. I want to see Just Mercy, what comes comes out mid January here. Uh, yeah, so there's always stuff happening in Star Wars. Just if it's not, if I don't hear, like Force Awakens had a pretty pretty good word of mouth. That was good. I was like, I need to go check that out. Uh, Rogue One had a pretty good word of mouth. That was also good. And so I kept checking it out, and this one's the first one where I'm like, I I might not see that in theaters. Last Jedi I saw because I was working there, and I was like, well, it's free, whatever, and I didn't like it at all, so, yeah. I just don't, I, I, I don't, I, I don't have a lot in those, you know? I get it. We're going to do the Star Wars franchise at some point. For sure. Because I just, I've got a lot to unpack there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots of, lot, lot, lot of air to clear. Yes. <laughs> and that's all for this week, folks. Next week, if you've been wondering where the Stephen King movie was, it's here. 
A group of townies become trapped in a grocery store after vicious creatures descend upon their town alongside a white, thick mist. Next week on Filmgasm, we're diving into Frank Darabont's 2007 horror classic, The Mist. Along with our most powerful bonus of all time. I will not be saying what it is. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, I can't wait. The most powerful bonus we've had by far. Standalone movie. We both might cry recording that one. Yes, we cannot wait. Next week is going to be fucking epic. Do not miss it. It's going to be a dark one. Until then, watch out for obscene phone calls and psycho killers. And have a very Merry Christmas from the entire Filmgasm team. Happy Holidays!